On today's episode, we have the visionary, the brilliant, the mastermind behind some of the greatest advertisements the world's ever seen. Some have labeled Tony Eli Canaan as the inspiration behind Tarantino and Scorsese's work. Tony is undoubtedly the best guest we have ever had. Tony, and, uh, Tony, whoa, 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 slow down. Tony, this slow is down not this how we usually do things. Does it matter? Huh? Does it really matter? Nothing really matters. In fact, nothing transcends Tony, matter. What are you Tony. talking about? We're a tiny speck floating Tony, in an infinite okay? ocean of Tony's dust. Are you okay? We're on a Please. sinking Titanic, goddammit. Right, Life has no meaning or purpose. Right, Life is a near-death <laughs> experience. Roll, roll, roll the episode. No one knows the, the tricks and the, and the education to write a good movie. And I think this was the greatest moment in my life. Maybe I should start directing my own mm. screenplays. I always preach about um, if you can say so much in so little time, mm. there's the challenge there. I'm, yeah. I've been doing this for a long time on Facebook, like for a long ass time. Like ever since Facebook started, I've been posting a lot of memes, like very dark memes. <laughs> <laughs> very dark. So I can imagine a little talk. <laughs> advertisement that you did for Kafala. Yeah. That one, a friend of mine sent it to me and I was, it actually gave me goosebumps when I watched it the first time. I was like, holy shit. Then the second one was when you did that skit about Gibran Basile, yeah. which, <laughs> which killed me, man. That one was, uh, that one was hilarious. Yeah. That one was the so Kafala one was genius. The Kafala one was genius. It was really, it was yeah. really, yeah. really genius. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the funny thing is, you know, uh, all the stars aligned for this one. To make this halad impact, لأنه, uh, we were supposed to release it in December, and then and then it got pushed because of the thawra, and then we we're supposed to release it in May, and then it Are got. Are you talking about December 2019? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I had filmed it in November, something like that. Yeah. So I was dying to release it in December. It wasn't it, it? Got pushed, and then it got pushed from May to till God knows when, and then Black Lives Matter happened. You know, the, 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 the George, Floyd yeah, George Floyd guy. Yeah. And then the, the Ethiopians got stranded at Tari in Lebanon. And so it's like, it's like we were calling for it. And, and then I was like messaging the, the European Union, telling them, guys, if this is not the time to release it. Then what it, is the time? What, what is, is the time? time? And then I got like bashed. It's like, this is so unprofessional what you just did. Wait, <laughs> so, did so the people that you were working with, that you told them, I want you guys to release it now. We're telling you that it's unprofessional for you to like to to interfere, yeah. to interfere like that. So I got a little uh, criticism there, but and uh, I tend to do that. I tend to be very uh, impulsive. impulsive, persistent, direct, uh, and direct, unfiltered. So uh, man, I'm happy that it did the impact it did. Saraha, it yeah, it got over two million views. I, I've, I've, I've never I've never seen anything like that, and. I guess I'm happy it did some effect because the, now the the minister, I guess, of of, of uh, the acting minister of uh, of work, they j she just tweeted that they're gonna be fixing kafala. So this is really good news for us. Uh, hopefully they'll be hopefully, fixing. Man. Hopefully, because you know when somebody says that they're going to be fixing something that's been a problem here for years, they say yeah. they're going to be it, fixing. We're getting on it, and then it'll be done in like five, six years. It depends yeah. what their definition of fixing is or how they view fixing. You know what I loved about that? And okay, the message was unbelievable. Uh, the creativity behind it was unbelievable. But even how it was shot 
was insane. And because I've done, I mean, a bit in production, studied a bit in production and like everything from from the from the editing to the lighting to the to the locations uh, to the actors it was like all perfectly nuanced and i think that's the thing what people don't get sometimes is that it's all in the small details that can make that definitely kind of big you directed impact. it yeah, yeah i wrote it i directed oh, you wrote it, it i produced it i edited it wow. i uh yeah, basically, so I, more was, less, I was a control freak. Yeah. I, I did everything. More or less the entire creative process. You took, yeah, you yeah, took yeah, part in no, the entire I, creative process. With all my ads, actually, so far, I'm the one who reaches out to, uh, to, the, to, to the clients and tell them, hey, guys, I have this ad. Would you be interested in, in adopting it? So that's what happened with me. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, How did you get the idea for, for you know, to for this kind of man it's it, it really just dawned it, it all my ideas usually come by me when i'm walking my dog Bilal. so i don't know why i'm i'm, I'm just going detoxifying from all the day and it just hits me like he it's not it's not an out of the box idea the roles reverse yeah we've seen it a lot but uh, to apply it in this uh scenario i think that's what uh made the impact and i chose not to um, uh, deal with anything violent or or sexual in it. You know, it was very subtle. It was very subtle abuse mm. to make it more relatable to everyone yeah. because because probably most of us we probably do stuff like that and we're not even Realizing. aware of that. Mm. So I wanted to appeal to a wider audience with just the minor injustices that we see every day, rather than. Oh, I'm touching you, or oh, I'm I'm hitting you, or I'm hitting you with a with a with a, with a whip. So I think that's what what also helped. This man, you did it so well. Like, cause I watched it a few times, and like literally today before you got here, it was so good, <laughs> so impactful, man. Like, it's, we're fanboys. We I'm, 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 I'm really are, proud of this one. It's really my baby. Well, you, so should you should you should be because it's man. Even by the way, the actors that are doing it. For, on both sides, you know, there's some, some Filipino actors, some African actors, even Lebanese actors. They played the role so yeah, well. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. unbelievable. And yeah, it's man. even more impressive because usually to get something, and I remember we spoke to Ali Salguna about this, to get a, a very strong message spread in a very short time period. The, the yeah. video was 1 minute 23 seconds, Sah. if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. And to get that message resonate with so much people in such a short time span and to get everything to click so well is so hard. And I think that's what's even more impressive about what you did. Yeah, I, I, I always preach about um, if you can say so much in so little time, there's the challenge there. I'm, yeah. And I'm always preaching about writing simpler, simpler stuff, always. Don't complicate things. Yeah. If, it's, if you want to write something, put it straight in the face. I always do that. I'm always straight in the face kind of guy. I don't, I don't like to give, give uh, subconscious messages and, 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 and unnecessary voiceover and stuff. So if you notice in all, all of my ads, they're yeah. right in the face. 100%. Straightforward. Like they're right in the and face. Going back about to your topic about writing, because you said that you wrote this one. And I saw on, you, I saw on one of your earlier Instagram posts that you took a decision to start directing and producing all of the material that you write in 20, 2019. Sah. But your background wasn't film. I think you did psychology. Yeah. I might be mistaken. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I studied psychology and English literature mm -hmm. at the American University. So you loved writing, right? Yes, and, and funny thing is, you know, uh, when I was in the 
I'd, I had a movie idea and I was like, oh, I need, to, I need to write this movie. And that is when I just, it was a paradigm shift in my world where I decided, hey, I wanna pursue, I wanna pursue film. I learned screenwriting on my own. Uh, I, extended my, I, I extended my credits. It took me four years to graduate instead of three. I skipped a semester to, to travel to, to Dubai to meet a producer who was interested in my, in my screenplay. Uh, failed, failed, failed. But yeah, I was, I was pursuing it from the get-go. And it, I was even studying psychology just so I could probably get some education to get literature review to shut yeah. my parents up yeah. maybe yeah. Uh, but yeah it's and luckily Allah, eight years later we're, we're producing the film it's we're making it we're, oh, we're doing it eight years crazy. later man that's, wow. that's, that's the key in filmmaking yeah. it's, it's literally persistent yeah. yeah. it's just being a stubborn bastard it's, a, it's a being a stubborn but so you so have to harass people you have to harass so yeah. it's in production now yes what stage is it we are, Can you we are in pre-production we're, uh, we're casting we're about to fi we're about to film. We were supposed to film in October, oh, but because of the explosion and the delayed some stuff. Yeah, basically. and our director's house has got wrecked, so it pushed us shway a bit. But uh, no, no, the, we're, we're we're good. We're good to go, and probably we're gonna film in December. I'm I'm Amazing. just sorry, I'm just so shocked that like you don't have a film degree, and this all came from you being kind of persistent and just having this crazy passion and just taking it upon yourself and being proactive and i think for any filmmaker or artistic person the most important thing is to put kind of not to sound cheesy but it's true your soul and personality into your work definitely man which which is so key and i saw it like for instance with you did adverts uh centered around schizophrenia and depression and for me personally, I mean, I've had terrible anxiety. I know it's not those things, but um, I saw those and I was like, okay, he did two things, which I love. Number one, he showed the side, the crazy kind of scary side of, of depression and schizophrenia, but he also infused like Lebanese society. And yes. you know, when the, yes. the man was in, in the sand. It was the quote, it was the quote because uh, as Ryan said, he su I suffered through a lengthy part of maybe 2019 where I went through anxiety and it was that quote shit halak which in English means please just strengthen yourself pull yourself yeah. together and that's the problem what I felt from, a per from my personal experiences in Lebanese society is that people don't really comprehend what yeah, anxiety yeah. actually yeah, is yeah. or when you're going through tough anxiety yeah. and that term was used a lot with me that's why I thought the other was genius because yeah. it, was, it was on both fronts it was you, you could you could tell the kind of emotive side of it, but also the societal side of going and people just saying, come on, yeah, you know, you can shed halak or, or be stronger or be a man or something like that. But that yeah. was... And the characters there, like the, <laughs> yeah. the one guy, like the fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that? He's a guy buried in sand. Yeah. He's like, Shu Habibi, Shu It was sure. <laughs> The symbolic. <laughs> yeah. 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 I tend to, because I am born and bred here, I tend to always abuse the, 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 the colloquial language, the expressions of Lebanon, because it maximizes relatability. And I, and I take them, I take them uh, literally. So most of my things are, most of, my, most of the phrases I, I play on are, are taken literally. So, uh, so yeah, I always come to say the simpler the better, always. Uh, you know, uh, Winston Churchill, uh, this is a quote that I, uh, that I always live by. Winston Churchill used to say, and, um, if, it, 
if you wanted to prep for a, if you wanted to prep for a, let's say a two-minute speech, he'd work on it for two weeks. Mm. Okay. Mm. If you wanted to prep for a one-minute speech, that would take him a, a month. If he wanted to go and talk for an hour, he would never prep for it. So it's always so when you have so, the challenge is always when you have little time, and it, the effort comes in, in in saying so much in little time. So Anjad, uh, the simpler the simpler the stuff you can say, the better. That's why mostly all my ads are below thirty seconds, because it is really a challenge to say so much in so little. I was really impressed and I just wanted to know if you saw any kind of impact afterwards where people reaching out and saying, fuck man, this really helped me. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm going to seek help. So, uh, so many actually. I, Amazing. I received a lot of praise Amazing. and a lot of awareness that they didn't, they didn't know what they were going through had a name because ugh, it's, it's crazy. And I think half the battle is knowing yeah. that whatever you're going through has a name. Masana, I, I'm in your boat. I've been dealing with anxiety, depression, all of that from a very young age. And I still remember the, the time when I Googled what I was going through and it turned out to have a name. Mm. That was probably the happiest day of my life. Made you feel so much calmer, I guess. Wow. Yeah. But you're not different. And, and, and then I saw all these forums where everyone's talking about what they're going through and this was uh this was like hitting a jackpot so yeah i helped a lot of people but then it becomes sort of double-edged because everyone started reaching out to me as if i'm the doctor okay and uh and everyone started sending me essays of what they're going through okay. and, and then i just couldn't yeah you know, and I, I'm, I'm very obsessive and i it takes a toll on me reading everyone's stories if i see a dog on the streets it, it's enough to depress me for for like a day so, so then I had to clarify, guys, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a psychiatrist. All my ads were very clear about if you're struggling, go seek a specialist. I'm not the guy who can help you. So I guess, I guess it helped. I guess it helped. But that shows you how much of a taboo, because we've been saying it for a few episodes right now, that in Lebanon in particular, there's, and maybe the Arab world in general, there's a huge taboo when it comes to speaking about mental health. And the fact that Tony was one of the first people who actually went out there, spoke about himself. I've seen a few interviews yeah. where you in depth spoke about the issues that you had as a kid growing up and then doing advertisements, which was raising awareness. The fact that it's such a taboo and people haven't spoken about it shows you why so many people, they see somebody like Tony and now they look at him as a role model and they want to go and use Tony as a person who they feel could solve all their problems because there hasn't been and anybody and, out and there. And, yeah, you and you're not that. Yeah. You're, you're a creator. Yeah. You're yeah. not the guy yeah. that's going Because yeah. to these people, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure that even with their families, so your family is, a per, is the group of people that you're closest to. Even with their families, I feel they could feel as if they're shunned mm -hmm. because not everybody's family is as open-minded towards mental they're, health. They're, they're, yeah. They would get pissed off that their kids are depressed that De it depends on the family i'm saying depends on the family. but there are yeah. certain most families, families man. Mo most, most families, families bro, here yeah. most yeah. families look at it as if oh in lebanon for instance if their kid wants to go see a a, a therapist they're they're a loser or they're, and they're uh, gonna yeah, yeah. conceal it and they're gonna be like yeah, my kid has problems yeah. my kid is psychopathic and there's a huge difference between somebody that's depressed and somebody that's a psycho do you feel like people though are now you know because the thing is it's always a sign of the times like mental health is kind of very in right now quote unquote like people are are 
in a way kind of profiting off of it because more people are now coming out and speaking out against it and seeking the support they need. Do you feel people are kind of pushing you into the spotlight? Like some traditional media are like, oh, you're the guy, you're the spokesperson. People need to go to you. You need to stand up. It's a cool question. Yes, I've been, you know, most of my interviews on TV basically have been about, oh, the guy with the depression, the guy with the anxiety, the guy with and that. They to, and I've and been they try in, to sell off those interviews yeah, as and, well. Yeah, and they try to sell off those. And uh, I'm becoming quite sensitive about this. You know, I don't want to be the guy yeah. who, you know, who has depression or it's, you know, no one is defined by their, by their mental illness. So... Yeah, yeah, I've been dealing with it, but now I've been turning down all all of these these stuff. Like I'm getting a lot of uh, uh, article interviews offers for to talking about my mental health journey and whatever, and I'm just turning them down because that's not. I don't. I don't want to be always associated with. Bro, fair, hey, mish, mish, شغلتك.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إيه.إي
absurdness, sarcasm, uh, tragedy. So in a lot of way, I felt like I connected with uh, with Black Mirror a lot. And Black Mirror is pretty simple when it comes to filmmaking. Like they're not too fancy with their with their shots and and all that. So basically, yeah, I can I, I can say Black Mirror really affected me uh, filmmaking wise, but also. I am very simple in my in, in my filmmaking. And if you notice all my ad, and it, let's talk about kafala. Basically, close up, wide shot. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Close up, close ups, wide shots. Close ups, wide shots. I'm not too. Uh, again, it comes back to simple uh, to simple storytelling. Also, I like my image to be very simple, not very uh, behind the. Behind the, the ashtray, kind of, mm. I don't know what. S simple technique. Artsy, artsy shot, yeah, the yeah, artistic, yeah. yeah. I don't care much about visuals, that's why. Mm. Because what is I, it more because about? Because I writing? am a screenwriter myself. Mm. I think I it's more about the why. message with you. It's more about the storytelling yeah. because mm. if, 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 I think if, if, if you have a great story and you do proper filming, like just proper standard filming, the movie will end up great. Like it's not, it's not a lot. It's, the visuals, I, I think personally, they won't do much difference if you're delivering a standard uh, filming, you're getting all your angles right, you're not breaking any accesses, and you, you have an impeccable, let's say, screenplay, great actors, good dialogue, I think it will suffice. And it, So you wouldn't work with a cinematographer then? Or no, definitely. I need a cinematographer <laughs> yeah. to, to light my, my image. Yeah. Uh, I've worked with the best. Okay. Best... Uh, we don't we don't uh, fabricate a lot of uh, like the kafala or any of my ads. I could have taken a thousand more shots, yeah, of course, a thousand different angles to do that. But yeah, I'm not into that. Maybe because I'm technically not that uh, like as a filmmaker, I'm not technically hal uh, ed proficient. You didn't study proficient. film. Yeah, like, I didn't study yeah, film. Exactly. Just uh, the way I the, the way I imagine them, I, I you interpret. I, yeah, I, I film them. So. How did how did you find? Because you didn't study film. How did you find the transition from being a writer? Because being a writer is one thing, but then transitioning into becoming a director and a producer. How how was that transition? Especially with somebody with no background, as I just said. You know, uh, every time I used to write, when I used to write with my co-writers co who happened to be directors, every time I used to write the scenes. When I used to explain them, I was explaining them as a director. Yani. I, the way I see the scene, the way he's coming in, the way he's mm. walking in. And so a part of me was always visualizing the you scene. You always had the image in your head. I, I was right? always seeing yeah. the entire yeah. scene. So th that was probably a start. And then you mentioned something in just a year ago. I, uh, I decided to flip into filmmaking as well because I wrote a short film and a friend of mine directed it. And uh, it was a great movie. Now it's circulating festivals. Super proud of it. Uh, we're what, winning a lot of awards. What's it called? Emme, Omme, Mother. It's amazing Mabruf. short film. Amazing. I love it. Uh, we wrote a screenplay together. But the outcome, the, his vision was entirely different from what I had imagined the screenplay to be. And I think this was the greatest moment in my life. I was like maybe I should start directing my own mm. screenplays. And that was when it was like a $1 million lesson for me. And, you know, hey, man, start, start writing and directing your own stuff. And 
the rest is history. Yeah. Mm. If you want to do something, you do it yourself. Yeah. Anjad, it's true, <laughs> and it's true 100. And I'm, I'm like, I'm a walking proof of it every day. That if you want to do something, you go do it yourself. I, I have another question for you because this is just something I want to relate to you with. I, I've not I've had, but I can relate to the sense that you did psychology, something totally unrelated to what you're doing right now. And I did my undergrad in mathematics and my master's in quantitative finance. But I've always been really, really interested in alternative media in general. And I've always felt that this is where I genuinely belong. And now, because of Corona, I was about to get a job and I didn't get a job. And then me and Ryan came up with the idea of podcasting. And for me, it's, this is more than a podcast because this is more of an alternative media project in the long run. And especially when it comes to my parents and people that are close to me, they're like, but yeah, you did all this, you spent all this time studying and to become a mathematician, blah, blah, blah. But now you just want to go this, how's the connection? And for me, trying to explain to them that this is my passion, they're starting to understand more and more. But even yesterday, like my mom was sitting down to me and was like, oh, so when are you going to start applying for jobs again? Oh, my God. you're having, you're having to... Um, but you come from a very quantitative, analytical, like it's easier for someone like me because my background is business. And what is business? Business is literally fucking anything. So um, oh, yeah, it, I, I, can, I can understand, you know what I mean? Yeah. Your parents, but they, like you were telling me, like they are starting to They're get... Starting, but what I wanted to ask Tony was that, because you also had like a switch because psychology and... F- okay, the, you could relate they psychology and, uh, and filmmaking, related, yeah. but... Not well, like, I mean, it was categorically yeah, difficult. It, it was. It wasn't the easiest thing uh, I can uh, imagine. Uh, and uh, how, how, what, like, every uh, step of the way yeah. was me defying my parents. Yeah. Every step of the way, which and is what I I'm think going it was the best right decision now. I ever made. Every step of the way, if mm. I had listened to them, every step of the way, I would have been miserable. That's what I feel. They don't know. Sometimes your parents don't know what's best yeah. for you. Absolutely not. It's, it, especially in this day of age and it's uncharted territory for them yeah. filmmaking they don't know yeah they, they don't really don't understand they're, yeah. they're not exposed to it so no man i say fuck anyone who stands in your way bro yeah. do whatever you want and I, th- I and i really love this thing you're doing seriously guys uh i i see huge potential in it like because it's, it's such yeah, a thank you. It's such, no, it's such a huge niche in lebanon yeah. and i've been always approached to do podcasts uh, never thought I could. I don't know why, and uh, and I was shocked to see that you guys are doing it. It's super uh, inspiring. Seriously, guys. Dude, on, on the on the, thank you so much. But on the contrary, we literally when Ali Saloum suggested you, and you know we we did a bit of our research. We were like, this guy is made for podcasts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, no, literally, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, you are the, the the perfect. If you want, I don't want to be scientific, but specimen for a podcast. <laughs> like. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We, we, I was saying to you off camera, like we see you as like a Joey Diaz type figure. We want you back like every two, three months, because anytime. And especially, we can talk about film all day, because I, I love talking about film and stuff. Anna, you know, (laughs) Anna, I'm a film composer. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. we didn't mention soundtracks. Soundtracks. Wow. And that's I, what you studied. That's and I, I, where? I, that's I did my master's Berkeley College of Music, bro, in film scoring. Berkeley. Berkeley. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Berkeley. Yes, in, yes. in 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 the Boston one. The Boston one. Campus in Valencia, though. Okay. Campus in Spain. Okay. Wow. And uh, so and man, you know, Hakine. I didn't know that, man. Joe, you bastard! I thought you were on our team. <laughs> that's as if Joe, you know, Joe, Joe looks at Tony as if him and Tony have been knowing each other for years. Like, yeah, what the fuck did you call me, man? And our soundtracks are. And, uh, and if movies come first, then then soundtracks okay. in yes. my world. Yeah, yeah. Bro, the uh, bro, that's bro, like, and I've I've seen the stuff you do, and I love it already. I love it. 
So if you want someone to work on something that you love, that will also love it the way you love it, you can talk to me. Halas, noted, man. I'm Guys, uh, to everyone listening, I'm, I'm we have glad, a deal going yeah, on yeah, right I'm now. I'm glad we played matchmaker. <laughs> we have so this I've is never, like a blind date. That was never I've never felt more unwanted in my entire life. So, so you're a musician. You're a full-time musician? Full-time musician. I studied, my undergrad was in music production in London, then, I, then master's in film scoring. Wow, uh, I've scored a couple. Of, I've scored like a video game. I did a, a, an animation that's that got really big on YouTube. Uh, it got like three million views, something. Wow. And Wait, I didn't even know that. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> I didn't know any of this. I showed it to you guys. Or no, didn't you didn't. I? I didn't. No. I didn't. I, I, you're technically very overqualified. What a great friend. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that you did that, bro. Yeah, I love bro. Yeah, look, this is this has been like the thing, and obviously after the masters, I can I was working with a composer in Spain for a while in Madrid. His name is his name is Lucas Vidal. Shout out Lucas. Um, and it was great, but then you know Corona. Yeah, fucking Corona. Corona. Yeah, now I'm here, you know. And then we went up to him, Joe. Can you be our com- producer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Close enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Same thing as a video game that gets three million views. Man, wow, that's amazing. Wow, hats off. I know you listen to some of the stuff. He's super talented. I'm so picky about about soundtracks. Bro, Ali. So when Ali, we had Ali in the last episode, and he just spit a freestyle throughout the. Joe one day just went and did like a really quick beat over the freestyle. It actually sounded like for a person just sat down two hours and made the beat off the top of his head. Who has a classical background? Not even hip hop. Yeah, he he has the ear. Even the instruments that he used, I was like, holy shit, Joe! You're the fuck. What's your main? What's your main instrument? My main instrument is guitar. Wow. But I play piano, bass, drums, ukulele, saxophone, trite, oud, tontin, tontin. Recently, I picked up the and, trumpet. And you sing. And you sing. Yes, Bro, I I, like, and I think I have, a, my, I sing correctly. Yeah. I don't think I have a nice voice per se. Like, I would not buy a ticket to see myself perform. Okay. I would. Just I would, yeah. yeah. I think just you're, for the laughs. Yeah. I, ha- I, I have think some supportive As an artist, <laughs> you're always your own biggest critic. And I think Always. that Always. you're undermining your voice because Thank your voice you. is pretty good. Thank you. No, Joe's talented as yeah, shit. Joe's Joe's extremely talented. I've seen I've seen better voices than yeah. mine. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Elvis, Elvis doesn't compare. Stop underselling yourself. But that's I think we need more people like you guys here. And I've been saying this from the start. I mean, I've seen kind of the Lebanese film industry, even the Middle Eastern film industry. And I don't want to be a harsh critic because there are some unbelievable movies and TV series. But I think on general. It's, it's quite corny, bro. Like it's, 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 you know what I mean? It's, it's, there's a lot of, there are these kind of Ramadan shows and these corny, and these are the shows that are getting tens of millions of viewership rather than your small kind of artistic, mm. really creative film that gets right. 10 Dude, people. Remember to see it. yesterday, me and you were talking about maybe over the past decade, me and you might not even be able to name five amazing movies that were done in Lebanon, like really good movies. We can't name five. Whereas I can every, name, I can name five. Whereas in yeah, the states, I could do maybe three. Whereas in the states, regardless of how good or bad mainstream the mainstream film industry is, or not just the states in Europe, you could always name five decent movies. I'm not gonna say great, but every year you could name five decent Akid. movies. We have a lot of talent here, and there is what tends to get funded is a lot of the cheesy things, as I was previously saying. And I think, in a way, we need to. And I've been seeing this with you, and it, even though it's just through those one-minute adverts. You've taken a lot of uh, kind of the Western nuances in filmmaking and you've, you've infused them with Lebanese culture. And that to me is a scary prospect because you can create something very cool, like super, super cool. Like I've been saying, we need a show like, do you know The Inbetweeners? Of course. We need a show like The Inbetweeners that shows four Lebanese kids or Middle Eastern kids 
going through adolescence, chasing girls, fucking up, getting drunk, getting shouted at by their parents, figuring out who they are in this How funny would it be world. if you have like a show where you have four kids, a Sunni, a Shia, a Maronite. What a mix, let's say. <laughs> and, and just to show people in the West now with Netflix and streaming sites, there is this opportunity. Just to show people in the West that, look, we... We grow up like you grow up. Yeah. Yes, we grow up with the crazy culture of Lebanon, but it's the same kind of experience, yeah, adolescence-wise. So, yeah, I just I feel like we need more of that. And I'll tell you what the problem is here. I'm pretty sure this is our problem in Lebanon. The problem is that we don't have screenwriters. Mm. I've heard this. There is no culture. There is no. Uh, there is no value about writing a movie. There is no value in storytelling. You see a thousand directors, filmmakers, they all go to schools to study radio, TV, filmmaking, but no one teaches you how to write a movie. And this is the biggest problem, I think, in cinema here with so many failed movies is because no one knows, no one knows the, the tricks and the, and the education to write a good movie. Like, no one, really. I can't name three screenwriters in town that's crazy. I really can't name two mm. while, while I can rain, while I can name probably a thousand directors. Mm. So we have an overflow of directors, but no real uh, screenwriting. I've heard this before. Uh, so the pro- this this is a huge problem. We need writers. Uh, At the end of the day, just work with what you're given, like whatever writing. You're no, given. The, the story is the conception. Yeah, Without exactly. that, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, I think that I don't think it's a question of just we need more writers. We need a structure that's going to teach Actually, more writers and facilitate definitely. more writers. But what can you expect, Malcolm? What can you expect from a from a, such a tiny market in Lebanon? Like, because we've been going through this a lot, and when we're raising money, when we're going into production and all that type. If you want to make a decent movie, production-wise, if you want to make a decent movie, it's not gonna it's gonna cost you at least. I'm being very generous here. Let's say six hundred thousand dollars. If you want to make a decent movie, and that's you being generous, and that's me being generous. We're going. It's 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 going to take yeah, a lot yeah. of more. It's going to take. I'm being super generous. Yeah. I'm low being key, super yeah. low key guerrilla uh, mm. independent movie. Tmoon al kill. Shout out for taminum neish kliyom. Security cameras. Six hundred thousand dollars. a decent movie, but usually it's a million dollar mark. How in the world will you get your money back? The government in would take country, <laughs> How in the world will you get your money back? I'm talking in terms of box office. Box office yeah, of course, tickets. In a country yeah. of 4 million people, but this, bro, you, ca- but you cannot even guarantee a quarter of them going to see it. I agree. What? Much less, man. I, 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 I agree. Nadine had the highest ever in box office, which is 300,000 people. Let's say 300,000 people went and watched her movie. Really? Her latest 000. movie. 300,000? Yeah. That's it? And how much? Globally? How much was in the Lebanese funding? Box office, yeah. In Lebanese box office, the highest ever watched movie is Nadine Labak's movie at 300,000. I think it was one of them. I think it was Halat Lawain. Yeah. Not, not her last one. I've seen that. Although one. her last one was the most successful one. So like 300,000. I'm back local. Nadine, of course, distributed wherever, yeah. Got, yeah. Got, uh, got all the accolades. So how will you get your money back? How will you convince the investor to put money when they, they probably won't get half of it back? So, come in, it's, 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 it's very tricky. It, that's why we don't have a lot of movies here, because it's very tricky to get your money back. 
don't you think now with the influx of streaming sites, we've been seeing yes. content from all over the world that's doing better than Hollywood. Hollywood now, bro, is homogeneous. It's superhero movies, it's sequels, it's yes. the same type of crowd. The best example is the Korean market. The Korean, Korean movies are insane. Have you watched Parasite? Man? Yeah, Parasite. Yeah, yeah. I hate Parasite. Yeah. You know, but, and Kingdom on Netflix is another Korean show. I think I, Netflix has the potential is, it, to be a game changer for but the it movies. is changing. I, mm. I can assure you. Uh, a lot of people are working on a lot of series right now. A lot of production houses in Lebanon are getting in touch with a lot of uh, distributors. distributors. It is getting better. Mm. Are Actually, you, do you feel it? Like you feel like okay, there is more of a. No, no, I now. know, I, I know, I, I know from first-hand experience that it is getting back. To, that is getting. I'm, I'm getting approached by several production houses. Okay, good. If you have any show for Netflix, let's nice. do it. We have a lot of contacts. Because the reach Netflix, is the reach is bigger when you yeah, do it through Netflix. Yeah, and Netflix is interested in the Middle East. Yeah. So, uh, ironically, uh, the music, uh, the film industry is improving in Lebanon. I don't know. I have, I have. 100% knowledge that the cinemas are no longer going to be functional in Lebanon. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to open ever. Yeah. Maybe Vox is going to open, but that's, all the other cinemas fucked. are not going to open yeah. ever. And the, not we, just lost, in, we, lost, we lost the theaters. Not just in Lebanon. I was reading this thing a few days ago that in the United States, which is probably the hub of the entertainment industry, out of all the jobs that were lost during coronavirus, 40% 40, 40 of them was in the film and entertainment yeah. industry. Just because this was the first time yeah, in history. Dude, I know. That's why I didn't yeah. get a job. That's the industry I was applying That's to. That's because the first, it's the first time, probably in the history of film, where on a global scale, all cinemas had to shut down. And forget for an COVID. Forget COVID. Yeah, exactly. In Lebanon, we have the hyperinflation. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so that just like so fucked you know, up everything yeah, so even more. Whatever movie you get here, you have to pay the, the, the distributor. And how much, how much are you going to charge people to get your money back? Yeah. To, to get your money back, uh, uh, think Ticket. about it. Think right, about right. It. No, if 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 you want to open the theaters right now, you're gonna have to at least charge Keep, seventy to eighty thousand. On the exchange no, rate, but it the sense. exchange it rate. Sense, yeah. Yeah. Man, they're getting their movies abroad. Bro. They're getting it in dollars. Mm -hmm. how, how, how much? How do you pay the distributors? Right. Right. You're right. You will be losing money. You're you're losing money if 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 now you open your your, your cinemas. Yeah. So most cinemas in Lebanon are screwed. So it's 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 tra it's tragic. That's the, that it's, it's tragic. That's, that's so I don't know. I think our movie industry is is going down for the, the rabbit hole. For me personally, for talking about film, not just in Lebanon, the Middle East. I think the golden age for Middle Eastern film, not just films but series. I think in Egypt, I think in the seventies and sixties, when you had like Madrasat al Mushahibin and Adl Imam. I think am I, I I'm no, no, you're mistaken. definitely right. I'm mistaken the name, but I think the Egyptian. In terms of Middle Eastern market when it comes to film, I think the Egyptian one was the most successful and, one. In and to this date, they are so by far leading. They're still doing well. They I don't, are, know. They I don't are, keep up Man, you should much. see their ads. The, these guys are playing in a different league. The, 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 they're amazing. Uh, yeah, by How, far. What Egypt. about shows? Like shows and no, movies? No, shows, everything. They're, everything. They're still they're the biggest. They're, they're by way far. ahead of us. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're, they're 80 million people. Exactly. They're 90 million yeah. people. Yeah. So they're huge. And speaking of, I wrote a screenplay. I have a screenplay I wrote with my partner uh, three years ago. We wrote it in LA and uh, we sent it a while back to Netflix, Middle East. And they just got back to us like three, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, they what? got back to us. They said they're in love with the screenplay. Wow. Uh, the premise is amazing. They love it and all that. And uh, they want to do it into a series nice. on Netflix. Wow. Nice. Their only concern is they don't want to do it in Lebanon. Mm. They want to pr probably uh, convert it to an Egyptian show. 
And we're like, yeah, good, let's do it. The market's mm. even bigger. I, I, I don't care. We can get at least paid pr properly and we can we, we can appeal to a wider audience. Mm. So actually tomorrow we have a call with them. Nice. And we're probably, yeah, we're, 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 we're probably doing a, show, that's probably amazing. a show in Egypt. I was it's, an, it's an amazing screenplay, actually. Nice. I, I can run by you guys. So uh, we're doomed, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Basically, I'm, I'm, on a brighter note, I'm not yeah. doomed. So, I'm getting out so to Egypt. Studying, so whoever's studying cinema, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> forget about it. Yeah, yeah, forget yeah. about uh, it. Imagine the amount of people that are watching this. Oh my God, I'm gonna watch Tony's gonna yeah, motivate yeah, yeah. me to go. What to a talented? Uh, no, you're fucked. You guys are fucked. <laughs> just get yeah, the fuck out. I don't know. Uh, uh, I, I mean, that's sad because the the cinema to me is. Uh, it's just nostalgic, man. It's going to the cinema with your mom or dad, and and it's 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 a huge part of culture, man. I feel like if that goes away, I don't know. Which probably it will, and like. But even regardless of anything, it was dying. Well, yeah, that's what I was Netflix, say. Yeah. because of all these streaming all the stream sites, platform. they had to. Innovate. It was dying away. They, yeah. I mean, and I think it's just part of technology. It's just part of yeah. us moving forward. Theaters are so analog. You know, they're, oh, yeah, they are. They're, they are, they're analog, man. So uh, part of, I think, progress, part of uh, developing it's is actually cool. moving to digital stuff. So I think, yeah, it's going to become like something very uh, archaic, going to the theaters and watching a movie. Bro, it's like, think about it. It's kind of like now, I'm going to the opera tonight. Yeah. You're gonna look at me like that. You'll be like, like bro, open Spotify, you dick. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's just from a monetary perspective. From a monetary perspective, if you if you have Netflix in London, for instance, you'd pay nine pounds a month for Netflix, and you could watch as many movies and series as you want. Whereas if you want to go to the cinema in London just to buy a ticket without a yes. student discount, that's like twenty to thirty pounds. I agree, but some things expert for the experience need to be. I know, I know, like, okay, I know. But, but how many of those I, I movies? I, it's niche. But that's how many of name. those? How many of those movies are gonna come out a year where you're just gonna go there for an experience? And I understand exactly. And yeah. I understand. I know why the industry is diminishing. I know why cinemas are shutting down. I, I know it doesn't make any sense for the consumer. But I think, number one, cinemas need to innovate, and which is why in the UK you're seeing um, drive-in movie theaters now and, and rooftop cinemas, cinemas and, and, yeah. and you, you know, cinemas with yeah, a twist yeah. type of thing. Mm. And I think that needs to stay. And I think, like you said, going to the cinema back in the day was an experience. People used to dress up in suits. Yeah, 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 it was yeah, an, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It was an experience. Cinema and theater. And we can, we can still have that. It, we, all, all the chains might close and everything, but we can still have, and we should still have that experience. You know what I mean? If you watch Blade Runner 2049, oof, imagine watching that on a that, fucking laptop screen. Way, you know I but, I mean? like, but that's a true. But I mean, we're artists, right? We we appreciate this stuff, but when you when you're talking to the population, they don't care if they're they don't care about the the, the Dolby and they don't care mm. about the vision. Yeah, they don't care about the the IMAX image. They don't mm. care about that. You have a student so, living in London who has like on a very tight budget, bro, and you can tell him, oh, you have to go spend thirty pounds to go watch uh, Blade Runner. You could watch that home if it was an want. experience and a one-off. Yeah, bro. Many people so wouldn't, man. Many people like, wouldn't. You know, you know, you know, in the music industry, it's there's kind of a similar thing. Like for example, big recording studios, Mishvanos. Ah, okay. right? Like I'm not like I'm talking uh, kind of like the facility where the shit is made, you know? Because the cinema is an experience in itself. For music, you kind of have the huge recording session, you know, the big recording session in the big studio. That's the equivalent of that kind of. They don't do it anymore. But it's dying. It's like and all of the big studios in the world, from Abbey Road, Ujir, all of them, they don't make money during the year. 
they always lose money. But the only reason they're still sustained is because they're owned by super wealthy individuals, like crazy rich. Like Abbey Road is owned by Paul McCartney, bro. Paul McCartney is... Oh, really? Uh, he owns yeah. Abbey Road? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, and there's the Air Studios in London, another huge guy, another huge studio has been, uh, which was created by George Martin, the... The, the guy manager from, from the Beatles, bro. Uh, you know, like he's the guy who made it. Say the Game of Thrones. Has been sold <laughs> recently. Has been sold recently to a Qatari guy, who just bought it not as an investment, you know, as something he has. Sentimental. You know, uh, yeah, mm. he has it. Well, thanks to this rich Qatari man, Meshihar Studio, they have recording sessions. They pay the orchestra players. They pay the engineers. Everything just because this super wealthy guy is maintaining it. You know, other shukran than that, Qatar. It's not, shukran it's not, <laughs> literally shukran Qatar, man. You, you want to buy our country, Kamen, <laughs> while you're doing on, on top of that? Hey, bro, because otherwise, what's uh, I want to go into, by the way. So, other than you being a director now and a writer and having all that creative flow, you're also you're also very famous for your Instagram uh, skits that you do and being a <laughs> yeah, joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just looking at it from the perspective that. Do you do these short skits on Instagram to help practice your creative flow or do you do it more because it provides you entertainment? Or Both of them, definitely. Yeah. And the third, of one, the third one is, uh, of course, vanity and selfishness, which is, you know, <laughs> I, uh, no, I want a bigger audience yeah. to check my real work yeah. because ultimately I don't want to be, like, I don't want to be the guy who's being called... Show Giovanni or, <laughs> yeah. or Show Jacqueline. Yeah. I don't want to be that. Like, yeah. or, or, or yesterday I was washing my hands at the beach and I was like, Jubran Basile. And I was like, because the guy thought I was Jubran Basile. Like, literally, I, yeah, I, I yeah. happen to have a name yeah. to be like, so I don't want to be that guy. But it's helping getting Nobody my work out there. It's, it's helping, it's helping it's to raise awareness. Yeah. So, hey, hey, I don't mind. You can do, you can do a lot of different stuff. Hey, I want to sing too. Maybe I, maybe mm. I can sing too. Mm. But... But I, but most of my sketches, I'd like to believe, uh, are very politically set. Like the, the, they have some satire in them, and they have some political message in them. I, they're not just. Uh, there's always a message. There's always some sort of political exposition going on out there. So, trying to raise I'm awareness. always practicing writing. I'm always practicing creative writing. I think, if you want to call it that way. Where did the where did the where did the idea of Giovanni come from? <laughs> Giovanni is it's totally fictitious, fictitious character. Uh, I, tried, very, I tried googling him. Like, it's a very Giovanni funny character. It's an entirely fictitious character. Uh, he's entirely fictitious. It was. It, it, <laughs> It was it was a side joke for the longest time between me and my friends. Like we always used to imitate kids, yeah. you know. That's how I started. But then I wanted to add like, because I I'm I'm so into dark humor. So I wanted to, I wanted to make this kid who's like so young and he's into a lot of traumatizing shit. He's gone through <laughs> a lot of traumatizing shit. I let like, like, political correct people are telling you, hey, how dare you to talk yeah. about this shit? Yeah. But uh, hey. It's a genre in comedy, so yeah. I mean, uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I find it funny. It's probably probably a lot of people find it funny too, so it works. It's hilarious. It's interesting you spoke about dark humor because I, I've looked at some of your videos and I can imagine you are the type of guy, there's going to be no middle ground. Either it's, oh my God, this is hilarious and this is my type of comedy and I love it. Either I can imagine on the flip side without people saying, like how dare this guy? I feel like there's no. Mm, it's okay. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Listen, I uh, 
I've been doing this for a long time on Facebook, like for a long ass time. Like ever since Facebook started, I've been posting a lot of me like very dark memes <laughs> very dark so i can imagine a little tony just sitting down no, 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 behind no, no, the no, computer no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done, no 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 i've done them all like yeah i don't think comedy says anything about you mm. like uh, it doesn't and i think the harsher the joke the harsher it is the funnier, the funnier it is, it is because, yeah. oh my god he went there he like, said something that's been in our heads yeah. that no one but also, dared to say. But also, also, the harsher the joke, the maybe the better it will be to spread the message. We, we always spoke okay. high risk, high reward. Yeah. That's why. But like we always, like, remember we spoke with Ali about using comedy to spread a message, and you yourself also spoke, mentioned now that you're using your jokes and your skits to help spread a wider message in this country, for instance. And yeah. The farther you go, the riskier you go, the deeper you go, probably the more it will resonate with people. Yeah. Because the more it can. The more it can. Yeah, As yeah, Joe yeah. said, it was in your head the whole time, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you just said it. You yeah. had the balls to say it, whereas yeah. many people are shy to say it. I'm kind of nostalgic for oh, nostalgic when, we were gro- yeah, when we were growing up like 10, 20 years ago. It's become, too, it's become politically correct to the point where it's corrosive. And there's now this cancel culture. So people are literally, their careers are being ruined off of you know an inappropriate joke that was not meant to be taken that seriously and i'm terrified of this Mm. i'm really terrified you're not helping yourself (laughs) 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 we will will edit stuff so don't worry i'm terrified of this i have a great shia joke (laughs) (laughs) I, i am terrified of this because uh i don't get people i don't get this cancel culture yeah and uh I don't get why you're going to judge people for an impulsive, uncalculated joke they made rather than looking at all the work and, and all who the you efforts are and you're putting, putting yeah, exactly. and all the efforts that they're putting. So it's terrifying because a lot of people just want to ride on this. And the, the, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get this unnecessary hate. I don't get why they want to. I don't. Yeah, my, my I, I've seen a few situations, man, with a few people that I know who would make the same types of jokes that you're talking about with me. But behind closed doors, we do the same types of jokes. But whenever a celebrity or influential figure gets caught for doing a similar type of joke and then they get cancelled, he'd be the first person or they'd be the first person to start cancelling him and calling him a yeah. racist. And yeah. racist. Jumping on the bandwagon. But I was yeah, like yeah. really annoyed because, man, you do the same jokes behind closed doors. Mm. Yeah. So you, you're like kind of contradicting yourself, yeah. man. That's yeah. a bit weird. Everyone wants to be a hero nowadays. Yeah, that's true. Everyone wants to be, I want, everyone wants to be the hero. Everyone wants to be defending the victims. And uh, it's terrifying. Just a month ago, uh, my friend, we were we were we were uh, having a drinks, a couple of my friends, a couple of friends and and I. Uh, I went home earlier because I had to wake up early. She left later, and she tells me that she got severely Ooh, harassed. I Maybe saw I don't that know. Video. She you got severely it. harassed. A guy jumped on her in the car and started masturbating, and then he, he and then he hit them, right in Mumbai. I saw your video. Yeah. I saw, yeah. That was a month ago. And then the next day, I, I went on Instagram and I talked about it. And I was saying this absurd, like, uh, whatever, it's unacceptable. Why are we still going through this in Lebanon? The day after, I decided to uh, launch uh, uh, a self-defense uh, initiative. Yeah. I, I, I managed to get a lot of tra- MMA fighters and trainers to tag along with me and to create a self-defense program. And once I took this online, I went online and I said, hey girls, 
hey ladies, we're doing we're doing this initiative. Please, if anyone can come to the to, to self defense, we're not guaranteeing that you're gonna be able to to escape anything, alright? But it's, if it gives you one percent of an extra fighting chance, Definitely. how is this not good enough? Definitely worth it. And you would be shocked by the amount of hate I got. What? For offering free self-defense sessions what? across well, Lebanon. From what perspective okay. was the from, yeah. from people, from women who consider themselves feminists. I was called, I was called a, a misogynistic, chauvinistic asshole, hypocrite. I was, I was called, uh, uh, an, uh, whatever. Uh, they told me, how dare me, how dare me tell women what to do instead of going out and telling men and, and educating men not to rape. Yeah. So they, they told me that and then I blasted out on them. Like I really blasted out on them because I, I had spent all this time, all this effort creating a syllabus, creating, doing all this contact, all, creating a program, doing all that to come to tell me you're such an asshole. I mean, go, uh, go, go tell men what to do. Uh, and they used this against me that I trolled them. What does this have to do with that? Yeah, sure, we can go educate men. Good luck with that. Good luck, good luck decreasing crime rate. It's gonna happen no matter what. But how is this related to, 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 to uh, you know, uh, calling out for, uh, for self-defense? How is this a negative? Like, how is this what, a negative? What, how is helping, how is giving women extra tools for self-defense in any way against anything feminists call out for like like seriously how is this against anything i don't I, I couldn't i was so enraged that i couldn't really accept this criticism because it wasn't criticism it was just obnoxious attack i take criticism when it was just when it's just obnoxious but they weren't critiquing your initiative they're saying they they weren't critiquing the self-defense they were saying how dare you don't do this other eh, thing? Like, why? Why? Which, which why? Uh, uh, it doesn't, doesn't even go down to educating men. Like, just look at it from a factual perspective. Over, I'm, I came back here in July, and all I've been hearing about, especially from women, is these sick fucks that are going to down to their parking lots, masturbating in front Every of women. Every girl I've met woman has, a woman story has, has been a story. harassed numerous times. That's how I first found yeah, out about you, by the yeah, way. And, and, and they want me, and, and, oh, well, she, I don't owe anyone anything. Okay, I'm not an NGO. I'm not no, no one. I, I don't have a target to deliver from an NGO or something. And I chose to help out uh, organize self-defense sessions. Shu khasik inte you're judging me for trying to help. I didn't get this, and it really infuriated me. And I went through a, an entire week of uh, morbid depression and anxiety because. Because you start questioning yourself, I start questioning, yeah. and and they took a lot of my stuff out of context on Twitter, and they made me this big ass asshole. Like there was a very specific girl attacking me, and I I I, I recorded videos imitating her, and and this was after she attacked you, before she attacked you. after she attacked yeah, me, yeah. imitating her and uh, like just doing parodies about her, and they took my parodies. And they and they used them in, on Twitter. Like, look at this asshole. The, you, how can you feel comfortable around this guy giving you self-defense? Like, like like how they flipped it. They flipped it from a from from someone who's really he's genuinely trying to help to someone who's a complete asshole. Because I responded 
to a girl who was hating on me. I have, which I have all the right to do to I have, respond I have to a someone who was, with was, comedy you were responding with comedy yeah. was, was, was your friend the one who kind of went through this traumatic experience did she appreciate the fact that of you of course were, no no I got a staggering amount of uh, a staggering amount of help yeah. but it just comes to show yeah. you how unappreciative people could be sometimes and, and, and how they always want to wave the flag of political correctness and like yet I don't understand where they were coming from you know were yeah. more people was there more of a positive reaction by far Play. a staggering okay. a staggering okay. but i so did not expect i i wasn't even expecting like the why this why wave should of you negativity. even why should you even like i'm giving you free food like free food just fucking take it but, or 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 step or, or don't take it just don't make are me are you the a, type of creator where you you'll do something and conan o'brien was somebody i love is a comedian uh, you're the type of creator you produce a piece of film or content or whatever and if 99 people say it's unbelievable this is a genius piece of work but that one person says you're garbage this is a piece of shit you're a joke are you the type of person that will listen to that one person like it just or it'll affect you more escape you. Look, it'll affect look, you more it used to affect me more mm. but now you're up yeah it used to take a toll on me this one per, this one out of a hundred but now no 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 I don't care I really don't care and no one should care about it anymore. I know. Uh, you can't please everybody. Yeah. You can't please Honestly. everybody. And I, I now live by the thing where nature, nature is mostly ordinary. Yeah. You know? So uh, perhaps uh, most people won't get where you're going mm. for. So when you don't have a lot of expectations you you won't get a lot don't won't get super disappointed expectation is the root of <laughs> I thought you <laughs> expectations <laughs> are like assholes. Yeah. yeah i know i remember during that during that week when i was getting like shat on uh, i lost 3 kilos like i couldn't eat that was the week when the thing was going on yeah 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 and i uh, i was going through crippling anxiety mm, and depression panic attacks yeah mm. and i remember my dad used to wait for me in the shower like wait for me outside the bedroom terrified that i would hurt myself or something because i was hit i was like i was i had hit rock on so it really took a toll on me it really really took a toll and, and, and i wouldn't wish it on anyone, on anyone yeah. some of the best shows you've ever watched and ever seen some of the best me and things that have inspired you and changed your life they will not be created today because that's because how, of that's uh, how sensitive because we because because of the all the all of this political correctness exactly do you know another show i like by the way that likes to push these things south park La- south, south park is on, on scale the reigning kings yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, south park is my favorite but south park are just like you don't like it you can f off whereas others are more f like off. it's about a show about a group of people and they've been and doing it for such a long time as well and it's continued like they always comment on everything yeah, yeah. south park is my holy grail <laughs> bro south but the reason why south park get away with it is because no one is spared they yeah, do it with yeah. everyone and everything. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not it's not a specific Dude, group. they've gotten backlash. Religious, religious communities, death threats, yeah. religious Bro, lawsuits. Bro, lawsuits. Trey Parker and the, the other guy. Matt Stone. His name. Matt, Matt Stone, Stone yeah. yeah. But like both of them are Jewish. <laughs> and they do the biggest <laughs> Jew jokes yeah. I've ever seen yeah. in my life, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Insane, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, if the world was that funny. I think we need everyone was that funny. I'm it's scaring me. How long has it been, South Park? Like twenty 
Besides the amazing things and advertisements and uh, films, I will watch the films you, you create as well. But um, kiss us. Just I know I'm. <laughs> I'm, blowing. I'm blowing that much smoke, bro. We say you have to be humorous. Yeah, well, I'm joking, killed, I'm killed joking. me, Jesus. Anyway, um, so besides all of that kind of cool stuff you're doing, even on social media, you're not at all politically correct and i think we need more of that because just unapologetically yourself yeah thanks for taking my comment but whatever (laughs) um and i think we need more of that because we're getting to a point where people are losing jobs careers loved ones friends family and we need to take it down yeah a few fucking levels you know so uh yeah man i just i i can't stress to anyone who hasn't watched your stuff please do please do um whether that be following you on instagram or instagram mostly instagram mostly check out your his advertisements check out his content in general and just check him out he's a a great guy multi-talented and hilariously himself with a great vision as well tony thank you for being here Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Rami, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm a Sabal. Thank you. Also, we'd love your feedback, so please DM us on Instagram at Fauda2020.